0: This is episode 467 of the AWS podcast, released on August 19th, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of AWS Launch. My name is Nikki, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by Zach Gardner, who is a senior solutions architect for AWS. And we're gonna talk about a brand new service that I'm very excited about. But before we get into the details, uh, Zach, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Hi Nikki, it's great to be a part of the AWS podcast. I'm a huge fan, I listen all the time and it's great to finally be a part of it. As you mentioned, my name is Zach, I'm based in Boston and I work with the database specialty team here at AWS.
1: Okay, Zach. What did you launch? What is the name (laughs) of this new service?
0: The name of the new service is Amazon MemoryDB for Redis. And we're really excited about the high throughput, low latency experience customers can get by using an in-memory database. And we're launching that as MemoryDB for Redis.
1: Okay, so I've used Redis before as an engineer. What is this service offering me as a user of Redis? Or how is it different from just using Redis? Walk me through, uh, you know, me as an engineer, be using this service.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's definitely a common question that we get from customers who are using it today. And let's think about the traditional Redis experience, and even with our existing services, Amazon ElastiCache for Redis, where it's right in the name, right, ElastiCache. And for that, it's positioned as a extremely low latency in-memory data store for your cache data. And the element that's missing and what you get with memory DB is that durability aspect to the cache. So within Redis, it's predicated on this idea that you have asynchronous replication from your primary node into your replicas. But there's always this gap, right? There's this gap between what's acknowledged by the primary and then acknowledged by the replica. So what Amazon MemoryDB for Redis is providing is a cloud-native way to handle that replication with zero data loss while maintaining some of the in-memory read scalability options that you know and love with Redis, as well as the ability to maintain and use the Redis data structures that everyone's definitely a fan of because it, again, makes modeling your application easier, and it's a, a data store that can definitely scale to meet some of the highest demands from a consumer facing application perspective
1: so this is a really powerful caching layer now because now i not only get speed but you're saying i also get prevention of data loss or durability what what kind of durability am i looking at here or like what um you know how sure can i be that i'm not going to lose my data
0: Yeah, so it's backed by a multi-AZ transaction log in order to ensure that data is not lost. So when you issue a write, it will be replicated across multiple availability zones. That goes well above and beyond traditional Redis experience of just acknowledgement by that single primary node, right? So that's the, the essence of it. And then what you're getting as an application developer is not only a cache, and as a database developer, you're getting a primary data store, something that can be used for your mission critical applications by allowing you the ease and flexibility and performance of Redis, but also the durability guarantees to use it as a primary data store. So historically, customers have paired Redis with other backing data stores and of course they've made great choices with some of our managed database services like Amazon Aurora and Amazon DynamoDB and Amazon DocumentDB but there was a step required to implement a caching layer in front. So by using MemoryDB for Redis as not only that fast caching layer but also as the uh, let's say system of record for your data, it creates an opportunity to simplify the architecture as well as potentially improve the performance and allow you to keep using Redis the way that you want.
1: Okay, so this is extremely powerful. So now you're telling me I don't actually need to distinguish between my data layer and my caching layer. I can essentially just use Amazon MemoryDB for Redis to handle both of these things that I normally would need in my application. That's
0: right. So. Customers have wow. come to us and they've used open source Redis or maybe they're using Amazon ElastiCache for Redis. And now they're saying, well, we've had some relaxed durability guarantees as a result of the fact that we knew it was a cache, or maybe we were just comfortable with the fact that we might lose X amount of data as a result of some of the asynchronous replication protocols. Or maybe we were dependent on some persistence features of open source Redis that aren't necessarily cloud native to support the performance." that we want to get, as well as the ability to recover from failure. So that's part of that cloud-native transaction log, to be able to keep up with the writes and to be able to recover in the event that a, a node within your memory DB for Redis uh, you know, would actually fail. That's, that's kind of the, uh, the benefit that we're providing, as well as the simplicity of the architecture by removing the need to separate the cache and the database layer.
1: Oh, that's incredible! What about security? So you know you mentioned that it's going to replicate oh, across AZs. By the way, does it do that automatically, or is that a required setup part of the yeah. configuration of this? Yeah, let's, let's discuss the
0: that part first. So the workflow would be you issue a write using your existing open-source Redis cluster-enabled clients, so no special clients, right? The same Redis you're used to. And you'll issue, let's say, a a set request, a set a string in Redis, the simplest thing you can do. And when you do that, it will be acknowledged by the transaction log. It'll be replicated across two AZs, and then it will be... Put into the Redis in-memory layer, and this happens with single-digit millisecond write latencies. Now it's in Redis. Now I can read it exactly as I need, and that comes back to me with microsecond latencies, the traditional Redis experience as it relates to reading that data. So that, and above and beyond that, is the Redis cluster protocol. So the Redis cluster protocol allows me to shard that data set across many nodes, right? So let's say let's split up my data set into three, five, seven different shards. And I also get that same replication model to scale my reads for high availability as well as read scalability. So replicating data from a primary node into a replica, which is available for multi-AZ automatic failover. So that gives me the ability to acknowledge the write, And to maintain high availability with Redis replication in the event of a failover, now all of a sudden I promote that replica instead of having that that asynchronous data lag, right? Instead, it's able to recover itself using the, the auto scaling transaction log. So that's all part of the high availability architecture.
1: Wow. So you mentioned in the beginning that it was replicating to two other AZs. Is that something that I'm giving it? Is that auto-magically happening? Um, you know, how do I indicate which regions I want it to replicate to?
0: Yeah, so you'll be you'll be deploying in in a region, right? So let's yeah. say Northern Virginia, US East One. Sure. And you'll set up a Memory DB for Redis multi AZ cluster, so that will allow you to you know, automagically, if you will, right, make use of that auto scaling transaction log, and then also deploy my shards and my replicas across multiple availability zones. So it's kind of Got twofold. It. One is the, the automagic of the service, right? And then the other is how I deploy my uh, Amazon memory DB for Redis cluster. And that's all handled through the AWS CLI or console or however you're deploying your applications.
1: Got it. So that's a configuration option, essentially. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, so getting back to my second question, which was security. So what are my security options, or can I encrypt my data at rest or in flight, mm-hmm. or how does it work with uh, yeah. this service?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Amazon Memory DB for Redis supports many mechanisms to improve your security posture. The first is it's fully integrated with Amazon VPC. So network isolation, security groups, these are traditional mechanisms that many of our customers know and understand to secure their workloads. So that's kind of step one. Next is data, as you mentioned, as it moves throughout uh, the VPC, right? So encryption and transit, this is something that is delivered as a managed service for Amazon MemoryDB for Redis. And also, and this one's kind of interesting, when you think about encryption at rest, right? Because the data is sitting in memory. It's not necessarily at rest on a, on a storage device somewhere, but primarily for, for snapshots or copies of the data. Let's say you want to persist into uh, Amazon S3, right? So in that mm-hmm. case, you would, you would encrypt the data at rest using like Amazon KMS. And this is all delivered, again, as part of the managed service on MemoryDB.
1: Got it. And so it's all basically... Yeah, yeah. So and, you, there's a ton of security options, essentially.
0: <laughs> yeah, and actually, I left out one one more that I think is really interesting, and it's something that emerged as part of Redis Engine version six, and it was the support for access control lists. And Memory DB, because it's open source compliant with Redis six, right, gives you the opportunity to use things like access control lists. And access control lists were a way to actually limit what type of keys a user could read or write and also what type of commands that they could run. So bringing a bit of a, a grant and privilege model to Redis. This is something that I think as you see the the engine itself mature and behave more like a primary data store, it just works right. perfectly with this memory DB for Redis uh, option that our customers get. So. It went from, you know, going back to Redis 4 or 5, a a single one size fits all authentication token, which provided essentially all or nothing access to the server. And what we saw customers do was actually rename commands or they would obfuscate commands so that if somebody, you know, copied and pasted something into the terminal, they didn't accidentally run something that they shouldn't. So this matured into these access control lists, which go well above and beyond that traditional all-or-nothing access that uh, maybe right. earlier versions of Redis provided.
1: Give you that granular control, essentially, of, of uh, authorization, essentially. Yeah. So follow-up question then. Let's say I have an existing architecture for my app with a Redis layer and a, you know, a data layer. I'm using some data store, doesn't matter which one. How can I actually migrate my data into Amazon MemoryDB for Redis to begin using this service? Essentially, I feel like there's like a merge that needs to happen because I have data possibly in two different layers. Or maybe I need to just refresh the cache completely. Or I guess what would be the best migration strategy here?
0: Yeah, so what we've seen is customers in a a few boats. The first is, certainly we see customers modernizing and building smaller applications, right? You think about microservices-based applications deployed on container orchestration platforms. So, you know, simple, put, get, or making use of these really flexible Redis data structures to facilitate some data access pattern. So in those cases, we see customers making use of lots of different, let's say, the, the existing uh, Redis commands, right? There, there is no app and database layer. This is net new, right? The other place that we've seen is customers making use of a cache, right? So Redis as an open source cache or Mm -hmm. ElastiCache being used as that caching layer. So the opportunity that you have to migrate your data is actually to take a Redis snapshot, something that is easily done from the open source command line or through the Amazon ElastiCache for Redis managed service. And then you can restore that into MemoryDB for Redis. And then finally, from an app perspective, I think in a lot of ways, we've seen customers build their apps using you know, data access objects that says, you know, I want to go get all of these accounts or I want to go look up this customer profile. And historically, they might have been doing that in a way to cache that result in Redis and then update that underlying data store. Here, they have the opportunity to simplify that application by using MemoryDB as the primary data store.
1: Do you still have control of the redis layer inside memory db for redis where you can like set time to live on things or you know like specific caching options
0: yeah yeah absolutely so so none of that goes away right it's the the redis open source compatibility that you're used to using so things like data structures strings and sets and sorted sets and uh, you know the list goes on geospatial streams and and those are all... Right,
1: all the normal Redis vocabulary yeah. is all there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and all of that goes with it, along with TTLs and eviction policies and ways that you want to okay. remove data. It's not necessarily that you right. can't remove data. In this case, when we talk about zero data loss, it's actually, you know, no accidental removal of data.
1: Right, exactly. Which is always better than the reverse.
0: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
1: I can tell you from personal experience, <laughs> you get easier to go one way than the other way. I'd rather have too much data than it true. not being there. Yeah. Um, so how have you seen, uh, have you, do you have any specific examples of customers that have taken advantage of this service or what industries are most excited about Amazon MemoryDB for Redis?
0: Yeah, so, so first off, I, I think the, the microservices-oriented users, where you have the opportunity to do simple puts and gets and make use of the flexible Redis data structures to accommodate different access patterns, I think that's been the most exciting. And then also, if you think a little bit deeper about these microservices architectures, you you want to be able to share data across these services. So making use of some of the flexible data structures like the Redis stream, right within the Redis stream, I can emit some data. I can then set up consumers and consumer groups to read that data and to share that information with that in-memory access, low latency access without durability concerns. So then this allows the, the services themselves to communicate outside of their their own data store and this is to me I think one of the most interesting patterns that I've seen with Redis for microservices making use of Redis as a primary data store but also as a bit of an event hub to share information and you know it's a natural fit with a lot of the other open source software that you see these container orchestration platforms being built on so by maintaining that open source compatibility using memory DB for Redis as a primary data store, but also a bit of the glue that sticks together a lot of these services.
1: It's really, really, it's really powerful. It is interesting. I have another like question though. So what if I do have something that I want to cache, but I don't necessarily want to save in my data store. So if I'm using memory DB for Redis as both my caching layer and my data layer, um, how can I, how can I do that? Is that a possible thing I can do or
0: Yeah, so, I mean, there's nothing stopping you, right, from from using MemoryDB for Redis as a durable cache. And we absolutely have spoken with customers who, you know, they say the word cache, but they actually mean something that has to have the data that they wrote, right? So cache means different things to different people. Uh, So because it still provides that microsecond read latency, you can still absolutely use MemoryDB as a, let's say, a more durable or hardened cache. Now of course right. Amazon ElastiCache for Redis is available as that that low latency cache data store that you know works with Redis very similarly so it is an option for you to to continue using if you just need that transient ephemeral you know fast caching layer and we also still of course have Amazon last cache from memcached, if that's another interesting avenue to explore. And we've seen really interesting caching workloads across the board on, on these different engines. But yeah, I think this hardened, more durable caching layer is something that a lot of customers want to make use of as a result of the fact that just because it's fast, it doesn't mean they want data to be lost. So memory dB being used as that hardened cache is definitely there. And, And even within the microservices stack, caching is a really important dimension because it offloads traffic, it makes things move faster. So there's really nothing stopping you from even continuing to run hybrid workloads where some of the keys are persistent, you don't TTL them, you don't evict them. And some of the keys right. you do, right? They, you, there are these eviction policies within Redis and they're called volatile policies. So volatile TTL or volatile LRU, right? So they will consider keys which have that TTL set. Keys that don't have the TTL set will stay there. So you can actually make use of some of these eviction strategies available within Redis as with, within memory DB for Redis to accommodate maybe that more hybrid workload. Again, converging. So you have a ton the use of options. Of data stores and, and caching. Yeah.
1: You have a lot of flexibility. I mean, one p- possible pathway is that you choose this service as your hardened cache, exactly as you said. And then another possibility, which is the one I was looking, I was exploring because it's so interesting, is just combining your data layer and your caching layer. I, I'm very interested in that one since this is a new opportunity to do that. Do you have uh, customer examples of any customers that are looking into that direction or path? Um, Because people, I think, are so used to now having a caching layer and a data layer, or at least dividing them in their brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so so it's interesting, and you think about the scalability options. If you're gonna run that, that heterogeneous workload, right, where you have some cache, some data store, and the, the question someone might ask is, well, when am I gonna run out of headroom? So it's interesting to take that into the scalability story within Amazon MemoryDB for Redis, and it all goes back to that Redis clustered architecture. So what I can do is I can, you know, increase the amount of shards in my cluster or increase the amount of replicas in my cluster to be able to scale out that workload, right? So if today I had, let's say 100 gigabytes of in-memory storage, tomorrow I want to have 200 or 300 or 400, and I can do that all by doing online resharding operations or online scale-in, scale-out operations within the the managed kind of control plane layer within MemoryDB for Redis. So by making use of this, I can continue to grow that data set and start very small and grow with my service by maintaining the, the scalability options within MemoryDB for Redis. So to me, that, that is the opportunity to use a variety of different workloads without running out of that, that headroom. And, it, and it's a few dimensions when you think about scaling. It's, of course, the, the in-memory storage, right? That's the obvious one. How much data do I need to store right. in memory? And I do that because it's really fast and really scalable and I'm not worried about things like IOPS, right? I just have this, this really fast layer that is scaling with my managed service. And then the other dimension, and this often gets overlooked, is if I'm doing caching and I'm doing it really well or I'm doing data processing really well and I'm not bound by anything, the, the real dimension is the network bandwidth, right? How much data can I pump in right. and out? So this clustered architecture really creates an opportunity to scale that out as much as you need. And we have these node types on MemoryDB for Redis to support you know, more dedicated networking as a result of those needs. So... Again, the, the scalability story within memory DB is really interesting for sure.
1: It's super interesting. I feel like this is like a really powerful new service and I'm like actually interested in spinning up something with it. Um, I think both paths that a customer could use this, well, there's obviously more than just two because I can't even think of all the ways. Um, but the hardened cache pathway is interesting as well as the you know i'm just going to use this as my caching and my data layer because this is simple and it's easy and it's just it does both things why do i need to even separate it out now uh, yeah i just have this service that has abstracted the complication away from me and here it is
0: and it's interesting because you think about aws purpose built databases and there's just this really rich portfolio of managed database offerings whether it's relational with amazon aurora or amazon rds or key value, and, and some of the things we're talking about here with, with DB for Redis really touch on that key value uh, operation, those gets and puts and sets and so on. But I think this represents just a different way that we've thought about in-memory, whereas traditionally in-memory was this, this caching layer. Now it's an in-memory data store with, that, with those durability guarantees. So uh, to me, it, it really is like a, a different way of thinking about in-memory databases on, on AWS. It is. And again, it just speaks to the broader purpose-built story, thinking about documents and graphs and time series and ledger. Now this in-memory component is is truly delivered as a managed service on MemoryDB.
1: So what are some popular industry use cases that you see taking advantage of this service in either pathway, in either form?
0: Yeah. the, The most interesting sector, I just think... And some of the the ways that Redis has been adopted is is definitely gaming, right? When you think about the, this leaderboard experience and customers and gamers posting scores and you know the leaderboard. Uh, conversation has always been interesting. You know, you and I are playing a game. We all want to know a few things. We want to know who has the top score. We all want to know what our score right. is. We all want to know maybe who finished last, right? And we want it to be consistent and we want it to be fast and not delay the gamer experience. Yep. So to me, just, I think one of the use cases that really highlights the, the, the quirkiness of Redis and also the opportunity of, of memory DB to really shine is in this gaming leaderboard. Use case, and and of course, this would extend well beyond gaming. Thinking about financial services, or communications, or media and entertainment, so variety of of implementations of in-memory data stores and leaderboards to be applied. But to me, the gaming one has always been something that attracted me to Redis. It's fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the most interesting one for sure. I'm definitely interested in that one. Um, I play games. I love games.
0: <laughs> all the
1: games a lot of mobile (laughs) games require that kind of speed
0: uh especially
1: because you're on your phone and you just you need that you need that speed
0: yeah, absolutely. And, and Redis has a, this exact data structure for that. It's called Sorted Set, and it maintains an in-memory sorted order of key values, right? So, you know, we all have usernames, we all have a value, and we want to be able to look it up, and we have these really friendly commands to be able to retrieve those without, you know, ordering the data when you retrieve it or aggregating the data, because as we know, that all delays in the ability to, to process time. the query. So yeah, the sorted set data structure within Redis and available, of course, on MemoryDB for Redis. It's definitely that perfect example, I think, of why, why people love it so much. Because it's, it's like a, a database for application developers in a way.
1: Totally. It's, it's super powerful. Okay, so I'm going to build a new game. So how do I create a MemoryDB cluster? How easy is it for me to spin this up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go build a new mobile game. What is my first step? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, so of course, first thing you want to do then is to, to spin up a memory DB for Redis cluster. And for that, you would deploy, as I mentioned, fully integrated within your Amazon VPC. You would choose a where you want to deploy it, so within your VPC, what subnets, what security groups you want to associate this cluster with, right? And then it's a question of how many shards do I need? And that's, again, the function of the in-memory storage I need, the network bandwidth I want, maybe my write rate because I want to scale out those writes to many different shards. And then the the other dimension is replicas. So we have that high availability architecture where we can fail over to existing replicas while maintaining that we don't lose any data as a result of, as we discussed before, that, uh, that transaction log, right? Right. So how many replicas do I need? And I can scale those up. Uh, you know, up to five per shard. So definitely providing lots of read scalability. And yeah, then I, then I spin up my cluster and I'll be provided a, a DNS endpoint, a single DNS endpoint, which that, you know, adheres to the Redis cluster protocol specification. So that means I can use my open source client. So let's say we're building the game in a Python. So we'll make use of a cluster mode enabled Python uh, Redis client library. We'll provide it that configuration endpoint, DNS. right? and yep. it knows how to run with it. This is nothing special as it relates to uh, memory DB when you get to that open source, kind of implementation layer, which I know people definitely uh, like a lot. And then, yeah, you start building your, your sorted set so that when we're all posting different scores, we can, uh, we can retrieve those results with zero data loss and extremely low latency.
1: Love both of those things. Zero <laughs> data loss and extremely low latency. Perfection, music to my ears. Well, that, that actually didn't sound that, that, that sounded really easy. That sounds like I could probably get an app up like later today if I wanted to. I think so. So, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would want our listeners to know about? MemoryDB for Redis.
0: Yeah, I would just say we're we're very eager and love hearing from our customers about what they like about the service, what we can do to improve it. You know, as we know, as Amazonians, we, we take customer feedback extremely, extremely seriously, and we, we prioritize yep. it. So as we're talking to customers and learning more about different access patterns, different ways they want to deploy, uh, that would be my message to to all as we can, you know, improve the service. We've been extremely extremely happy and excited about the enthusiasm of the launch of MemoryDB for Redis. It's uh, just a, a really cool service, and based on some of the items we discussed, really represent how in-memory databases on AWS have evolved. So um, with that, I'm just uh, you know, really excited to be talking with more customers about how it, how it continues to improve and grow.
1: How can our customers get in contact with you?
0: Yeah, so you know, of course, I'll, I'll be in the AWS uh, offices and whatnot. However, if you want to reach me on LinkedIn, you can find me with username zgardner, z g a r d n e r.
1: So really easy to find him on LinkedIn. Uh, you guys know that if you had have feedback on the podcast or the show or this service, you can always get in contact with me. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is knee like or knee and a key twenty three. That's K-N-E-E-K-E-Y-23. Zach, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a pleasure talking about Amazon MemoryDB for Redis. I'm super excited and thrilled uh, for this service and and very interested to see how customers start using it uh, right away. (laughs) Definitely curious.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. As I mentioned, I'm a a huge fan of the show, so hope to come back in the future. Thanks again.
1: Would love to have you on again with your next crazy big launch. Uh, Again, thank you for joining me and we'll see you guys all next time. Until then, keep on building.